Hello and welcome to the Story to Satori show. Today, there is going to be a surprise for my uh, viewers and listeners of the podcast because usually I have women, uh, you know, as guests, and uh, we're going to celebrate the Women's Day uh, with uh, not an ordinary person. Uh, he's a young, a young uh, man from US, and his name is Mark Metry. Most of you know him, and he is actually uh, the host of podcast Humans 2.0 and also the author of the upcoming new book, which is going to be launched on 14th of March. Uh, yes. The name of the book is Crew Being Shy and How to Manage Social Anxiety and uh, Be Yourself in Front of Anyone. So welcome to the show, Mark. I'm so excited to have you. Very much yeah, looking forward. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be on your show. Super excited to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so let me tell my uh, guests, I mean, my, uh, all my viewers and my listeners uh, that Mark is, uh, has started uh, way back when he was just, now he's 22. And when he was 15, he had started his company, VU Dream. And that's when his journey began as an entrepreneurial journey. And um, so, and also now, right now, he's consulting uh, startups and founders and organizations to build their organizations as well as scale up and uh, he's doing a lot of work in that but more than anything else he's doing an immense lot of work uh, as we're going to discuss his new book in the field of mental health and uh, so i'm going to start this uh, by asking him his own uh, very uh, typical and uh, uh, I think favorite question. So how do you spend your time on the planet Earth? <laughs> Let's begin with <laughs> having some fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. I, uh, I love that question. That's why I ask my guests it all yes. the time because, um, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, whatever you spend your time doing is what mm. you become. And so that to me is, is first and foremost. And so, for me, I try to spend my best. Uh, I try to spend a lot of time with great people, whether it's my family or my friends or talking to really smart people on my podcast or going to events. I try my best to take care of my health, both my mental health and my physical health, because it's super yeah. important. And on a side note, you know, I don't really like the word mental health. I think they should rename it to brain health because I think that will reduce a lot of the stigma because a lot of people think that mental health is reserved for a certain portion of the population mm. when in reality that's not true because if you have a brain, then mm. you have a capacity for your health the same way that if you have a body, you have physical health. And so for me, that's what it's about. And then you know, luckily today, I'm pretty successful. I think I've made it. And so I'm just trying to make other people successful. So that's what I do yeah. on my time yeah. here on planet Earth. And write this book and try to promote it and stuff. Screw being yeah. shy. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you achieved all this at age 22. Uh, but we also want to know, you know, uh, like uh, uh, when you say that you have started your business uh, at 15 and you had almost 40 people working under you in your marketing company, and uh, which was into virtual reality and augmented reality. I want to 
the people on this part of the globe to understand that at such a young age you did all this and uh, suddenly something happened yeah. and you, you said that uh, you realized you were shy and uh, you started this podcast at what age did you start and when did you realize you were shy in fact you know uh, yeah so mm. So, you know, I'm very grateful that I, I did a lot of great things when I was a teenager in the entrepreneurial realm. I'm very grateful, but, you know, a lot of people think that because you do that, you're successful. Mm. That's not the truth at all. And mm. the matter of the fact is, is because I was super shy, because I had no friends, because I had mm. a lot of problems, entrepreneurship and the internet was really the way in which I dealt with that, is the way in which mm. I coped with that. And so, um, you know, for me, I realized I was shy when I was 18 years old when I went off to college and I, uh, I drank alcohol for the first time and I went to my first college party. And um, when I was drunk, I, I, I could talk to anybody. My brain was no longer holding me back. And I remember the days after that, uh, I remember the days after that, um, just kind of realizing like, wow. I've never been able to talk to people before ever in my life. Mm. And that for me was sort of the first time in which I discovered that. And I realized that there were two paths in front of me. I realized mm. that there was path A, which was try to do the right thing. Mm. Uh, try to manage your social anxiety. Try to um, become the real person. Because people with social anxiety, they're never mm. their authentic selves. And so mm. they don't even feel like themselves so in social situations and not in social situations. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was one path that I saw, which is very, very hard, because, mm. but it's the right thing to do. And then I saw the other path of not doing the right thing, of trying to escape, maybe using alcohol again as a coping mechanism. And so I, I chose route number two, <laughs> yeah. um, I think like many people, and I just tried to escape. I tried to distract myself. I tried to just run away uh, from this reality and just choose the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And the way that this ended up turning out was I got very depressed. I got even more socially anxious. And at one point in my life, I was even suicidal. And so I eventually climbed out of that through months and years. And in 2016, I was in the mm -hmm. middle of just transforming my life and building myself from the ground up that... Um, you know, I realized that I need to learn a lot and I need to learn a lot from smart people. And so mm -hmm. I started my podcast in 2017 as a way to do that, as a way to get me in front of smart people to constantly grow my self-development and who I am. So was it, uh, Mark, tell me, was it to prove something uh, you did this or... Uh, because when you talk of social anxiety, you know, even I have gone through that when I was a kid. And I think many, many children go through that. And uh, so is it, uh, do you say that it's a mental health concern? Because nowadays, because of the internet and because of all these kinds of things, which were not there two decades ago, and uh, it's increasing, the social anxiety thing is increasing. So uh, is it really a mental health concern and or how this yeah. needs to be dealt with. How did you deal? Yeah, so this is this is a great, great, great question. So, mm -hmm. you know, people talk a lot about introverts. Mm. And 
being an introvert is something completely different than being uh, socially anxious. An introvert is someone who spends most of their time and the way that their brain is just created through through genetics, through nature, it's a character trait, they focus mm-hmm. more time in their internal world, their thoughts, mm-hmm. ideas, feelings. Extroverts focus on the outside world and that car and the color of that truck. Mm-hmm. And so you can be a quiet introvert mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a problem. I think that's okay. totally normal. And I think it is also okay Mm-hmm. to be shy at times and, and every here once in a while. But when you are shy all the time, uh, regardless of your environment, where you are, who you're in front of, that is social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so if you define shyness, it is uh, nervousness or trembling towards doing something, towards talking mm-hmm. to someone else. It's okay if that happens every once in a while, for sure. It's totally natural. But yeah. when it happens all the time, then that's when your body and mind begin to develop a stress coping response where, you know, for me, I remember, um, you know, when I would walk into any room or I would talk to anybody, um, you know, I would feel my forehead sweat. I'd feel my armpits sweat. Um, I'd feel my, my voice start um, trembling, not really move. My Mm. mind would race. It would be, I would overthink and then I wouldn't be able to talk. And so if you do that long enough, then it becomes social anxiety Mm. and social anxiety is, um, absolutely a a mental health problem because Mm. a a big part of this is, um, it it doesn't necessarily even have to do with people. It doesn't even Mm. necessarily have to do with expressing yourself. But social anxiety can be defined by being nervous to be yourself or an excessive need to manage your self-image. So every time you go to a position, you're like, oh, man, like I should wear this so these people can think of me this way. That person probably hates me. They don't they don't think that. And so essentially what happens is uh, it's a form of uh, a psychological issue. Hmm. And social anxiety is one of the oldest most ancestral forms of fear ever because you know if you look at you know for example they've done studies on people with social anxiety and they have bigger amygdalas in their brain which is the part in your brain that detects and manages fear and so social anxiety actually goes back to the way that us as humans evolved through thousands of years in in groups as group creatures and the reason why humans are the number one species on this planet is because we can communicate with each other and work in groups and a thousand years ago if you were not in a group you would probably be dead it was either you live in a group and you guys all rely on each other and you guys survive or you know you'd be in the forest you'd be in the wilderness you would die from hunger you would get eaten you get kidnapped you get killed And so our brains equated social judgment with social ostracization, which is exile. And so a common punishment back then in previous societies was Mm. kicking somebody out of your group because they said the wrong thing, because they disagreed with the leader. Mm. And so our world has changed so much, like you said, but Mm. yet we still have the same brains. And if you look at a graph, of human evolution, 
for thousands and thousands of years, most of it has been us in these group hunter-gatherer societies. And then when the agricultural revolution happened and then after the industrial revolution yeah. happened and we began to get more civilized, then we began to come up with the modern, our modern society. But we've mostly spent, evolutionary speaking, most of our brains has spent the majority of our, exi- of our existence, of our species, in a, an ancient world. And yeah. so there can be all sorts of issues and malfunctions because of that, because we have the same old brain, but we live in, mod- in a modern world. And so do I think that technology mm. can cause social anxiety? Mm. No, not directly, but I think it can be a, uh, a tool. I think it can be an escape to not deal with that problem. And so for mm-hmm. me, I played so many video games. I watched so many TV yeah. shows, movies. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I didn't have that choice, maybe I would have gone out there and tried mm-hmm. to defeat my social anxiety. And then technology, I think, can hurt us in indirect ways too. So mm-hmm. for example, not just social anxiety, mm-hmm. but if you look at the one correlation between all mental health problems, mm-hmm. it's a deficiency in vitamin D. Oh. And so we primarily get that from the sun and then yeah. some other foods, mostly animal products and like mushrooms, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're spending your entire day inside using technology, then you might have a vitamin D deficiency. I think, so I think it can affect us in that way too. And it's just a really interesting dynamic between our ancient brains and this modern society that is changing up the cues that our brain has learned for thousands of years. And I think that's what's causing a lot of the mental health issues today because there's this dysfunction between our society and the environment. Absolutely, I agree. I, I also went through this, you know, I mean, uh, maybe not as much as you are saying, but then I did go through, I dealt on my own. Uh, so I was actually at the same time, I had, uh, as you said, the two paths, you know, uh, I wanted to choose the second path where I wanted to prove myself, I wanted to stand on the stage, I wanted to be a communicator. And I actually my whole, uh, this was to when I was 18 years old, my whole vision was to become the best communicator. I mean, uh, if not in the world, my own, you know, second version. I had written in my journal. So I'm now doing it. I'm in a way I have achieved it. But did you also have, you know, why I'm saying this is I wanted to know, did you go through the the kind of the depression, which is the kind of pits you were in the pits where you, but or were you also seeing your vision parallelly, you know, you're having a depression and you're also seeing your, the brighter side of you. Was it happening parallelly or? Did it get over and then you started seeing, how was it and how long was it? Yeah, so I, um, so I was, you know, I, I was depressed for maybe um, six months. Oh, that's not a long time. Yeah. No, it's not a lot at yeah. all. And so I'm super, super grateful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, for me, uh, I, I think the main reason why I had depression was for two reasons. Mm. Number one is kind of goes back to what I said of like, I had this vision, I had this potential of who I could be, but I wasn't living in that Mm. potential. I think that's one half of it. And I think the other half is, uh, is biochemical. Mm. And so I think that a major, you know, kind of along like the similar discussion of the environment and the modern world and our ancient brains, Mm. um, you know, for me, like I never really got too much into drugs or alcohol. 
Mm. But my main, uh, my main escape was using food mm. as an addiction and using food as a, an emotional coping mechanism. Mm. And I remember just like every night when I was depressed, just like eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. Eventually, you know, in this period, I gained like 70 pounds. I'm now over 200 pounds. And what really ended up happening was after that, I actually became suicidal for three weeks a month. And the reason why I say it's biochemical is because, I mean, there's a whole part of my book that's all about biochemistry. Mm. And, uh, you know, we now know that there's a system in our body called the gut microbiome, mm. which is a, a, a community of trillions of bacteria that mm. digest all the food that we digest first, and then they pass it off to our body. Mm. And in the chapter of my book where I talk about this, mm. it's called first my gut broke and then my brain broke. And so what I think what happened was, um, you know, there's a very strong correlation between mental health and our gut microbiome and our physical health. Mm. And when you look at like a neurotransmitter, neurotransmitters, for example, one neurotransmitter called serotonin, that is very, very involved with our mood, uh, sleep, our appetite, social and group mm. interactions. Mm. And, you know, we used to think that all of our serotonin was in our brain. Mm. It turns out only five to 10% of serotonin is in our brain and 90 to 95% is in our gut microbiome. And so what you eat directly influences. And so when I was depressed and I was eating, 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 eating a ton of, you know, junk food, I was, I was not binging on broccoli, right? Okay. Um, and I was eating a ton of junk food, ice cream. And I really do think that I was suicidal and my mental health really began to suffer because my gut microbiome became dysfunctional because of the food that I was eating. And so mm -hmm. I think one half of it has to do with your potential and then I think one half of it has to do with your biochemistry. And then what happens is if your gut is malfunction, you are not sleeping well anymore. And when you're not sleeping well, you don't really have that much energy. And so I think a lot of these factors combined that can create biochemistry can create a lot of mental health issues today. And I actually think that's probably one of the biggest issues for kids, especially, and even mm -hmm. adults, that nobody's really talking about in, in today's world of mental health and how to feel happier. And so I think that's critical and the yeah. science proves it. Wow. So what you have said just now is like, have you covered everything that all this in your book and so that people can actually, you know, read it and uh, start practicing whatever you have just now spoken, like following a certain, taking care of their diets and then actually eating the right type of food and then uh, as you said, you know, taking uh, care of the sunlight as well as mm. so many things that you said are really very important. And then we miss out and these things. And then we all feel depression is just in the mind. And and if you really see, it's not just in the mind. It can be in the gut. It can be in your uh, the way you operate and work. So that was mm. very interesting, uh, you know, Mark. And so tell me, you know, when you have actually achieved so much, what is your definition of success right now? Now that, you know, at age 15, you started your company at 22, you're doing your podcast, you have become a consultant, you're uh, on, uh, you have 10 million plus views, viewers uh, on your podcast and uh, your, your podcast had hit 
uh, number 96 and it was in league with uh, people like Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, Tim Ferriss. So tell, uh, what is the, the definition of success now for you? How does it yes. look like? Yeah, so, you know, for me, uh, I'm not really, I'm not really motivated or um, in, intrigued, I guess, to, uh, to chase after the superficial definitions of success mm. in terms of material wealth. And so honestly, for me, like I could wear the same sweatshirt, I could sleep in a closet <laughs> on the floor. Um, that to me will still make me happy. And so aside from that, my definition of success is can be broken down into two pillars. One is self growth, which is I again, I view this from like a evolutionary perspective. Uh, and an organism is always trying to evolve itself. It's always trying to evolve, 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 because mm -hmm. the universe is always growing. The universe is never still. Mm -hmm. And so if you try to be still, you are going to go down. You're going to decline and fail. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my definition of self-growth has, has to do with um, all the things that we've talked about, from mental mm -hmm. health to my physical health to um, just who I am as a person to all the ways that I'm pushing myself in all the different ways. And then number two is being of service to other people. And like I told you earlier is like, now that I'm successful, I've made it. Uh, again, there is no making it in life. It's always a moving target. Yeah. But, um, but I think as I've made it like mentally and also financially and whatnot, mm -hmm. to me, the biggest objective is now just how do I make other people successful? Like yeah. it's cool that I'm successful and everything, but it, it doesn't actually mean that much if you're not helping the world. And yeah. so for me, that's like why I'm, um, that's why I'm doing my TEDx talk. It's why I have a book. It's why, um, you know, I'm doing a combination of things. I'm on a board of a nonprofit. And so for me, it's about making other people successful. And the kind of people that I want to make successful are people who have struggled with some of the similar issues that I have, like feeling severely socially anxious, People who maybe come from um, uh, poor mental health, people who come from financial like poverty and material lack, and so and then also people who have been successful in their lives but mm. realize that they were that they didn't actually solve the main problem and they still have mm. issues. And so, to me, I'm trying to make those people successful. And so that's my definition of success. Wow. So it's something like inside <laughs> out, living inside out, and it's not about the. Uh, the material world, but it's about going inward and bringing out those wisdom that you have talked about right now. And uh, so my my show is all about story to satori, I say. So what it means mm -hmm. is giving up or letting go of the stories or recreating those stories, becoming your version two, mm -hmm. as well as living. Satori is a Buddhist term. And uh, it means uh, standing in your own reality, in your power. And Ooh. also, uh, yes, oh. it is standing in your power and standing and owning up who you are, basically. It's about, uh, I have actually kind of, you know, defined it that way. Satori means That's awesome. actually, yeah, Satori means actually, uh, it's a spiritual realization or it could be enlightenment. But here I say it's not the wisdom is uh, not the spiritual it could be, but because we are all human beings, uh, spiritual beings in a human body, uh, but it mm. could also be a wisdom in that moment, 
uh, and not going into stories and but standing in your power and actually taking stock of that reality and what you've been doing doing mark is all about that you know and at a very young age you have started realizing all this on your own did you do everything on your own or you had any coaches or mentors or any uh, your parents tell talk about your parents as as well you know you came from india yeah. right yeah yeah i mean i don't i don't think uh, yeah i mean i don't think i just randomly stumbled on to this path i think a lot of people uh, yeah. have helped me for sure for sure um you know i'm very grateful that i i've had awesome parents that have worked really hard that have always loved me um that have come to accept me and um yeah i mean my parents are great my sister is awesome my sister i think is one of the first people that kind of taught me to be mm-hmm. social and to be positive um and then the uh, yeah i mean i literally have i have hundreds of mentors i mean i i talk about them all throughout the book and um you know i don't think there's any coincidence that you know now you see more younger people waking waking up or having satori or whatever uh because of the fact that you know we are coming from thousands of years of human civilization and information and things that have been passed down and new ways to think about things and infinite amounts of information that equally somebody can also get lost in too um so yeah i have i have no doubt um i've had so many mentors i've had so many people that have opened doors for me that i don't think i'd be here today but also by that same note um i definitely do believe a piece of spirituality is about yourself and it's about yeah. you only you can kind of um sort of come to this realization and so for sure a lot of people can help you you should get mentors uh or yeah. coaches or whatever but also realize that a big part of it has to kind of be done by you and so i've yeah. I, i mean we could do a separate podcast we could probably do six podcasts yeah. on all the people who have mentored me but um yeah. i talk about it a lot in the book and yeah i wouldn't be here without them so right absolutely so we need to actually give that kind of be grateful for the mentors but as you said you know finally end of the day it's about you you know there could be situations when you are stuck and the effort has to be done by you unless and until you do that uh the final you know the effort comes from within you and you need to overcome the resistance because you mm-hmm. you also talked about the point of least resistance uh when you were you when you started drinking you know Uh, i was little i want to know you know actually i'm curious to know uh, how can that point of least resistance because when you say least resistance it's the best place to be in uh, but do you mean to say it was not uh, done with the right means uh, you did it through drinking and are you still in that po- uh, the space of least resistance without drinking is are you <laughs> uh, am i making sense to you Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, a, so yeah. it's an interesting concept especially yeah. between these two different philosophies. Yeah. And so I think one is the path of least resistance is the path of just doing whatever is easiest as possible in the mm-hmm. moment, which is mm-hmm. usually what makes you comfortable mm-hmm. and doesn't take you outside of your comfort zone. Okay. And so the path of least so for example, um uh you know, uh we before I hopped on this call with you for 30 minutes the path of least resistance would be me not showing up to this call and saying whatever i'm just going to go to sleep right mm. that's the easiest comforting thing yeah. is that the right decision to do no no right because <laughs> almost always um the path of least resistance doing what's easiest now will mm. probably lead you to 
experiencing difficulty and feeling the real difficulties of life later on in your life. Mm. However, I think there's also the, the flip side of this, mm. which I think is the way that you're sort of perceiving it in terms of um, like things revolving on the round of like uh, spirituality and like meditation mm. and them saying that you should like relieve this resistance. Mm. You should, exactly. you should kind of relieve this. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a, and I'm a yeah. fan of both, right? I don't oh. think they're contradictory. I'm a fan of both. Okay. And so, you know, I, I meditate every day. Um, I have other practices and yeah, I mean, thank God, I don't really drink alcohol today. Sometimes I might drink it like on a monthly basis. I'll have like a glass of wine or something at dinner, but I don't, I don't really do alcohol and um, or or really any kind of um, serious drug like that. You know, alcohol is the third leading cause of death in America, mm-hmm. and it can also, you know, it's been shown that people who drink alcohol every night have smaller mm-hmm. brains than people oh. who don't. Yeah, and then. You know, having a small brain is not good whatsoever. And so I think yeah. that, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's about um, not choosing the path of least resistance, doing what's, doing what is challenging, doing what is hard. Mm. Um, and I was actually watching this, uh, this movie, uh, Pinocchio, <laughs> the Disney movie. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, um, I haven't, yeah. Yeah, it's like very, very popular in America. It's like a Disney oh. movie from like the 1940s. Mm. And I won't get into it, but there's a part in the movie where they say, Sometimes in life, what seems right in the moment Mm. is actually not right. And a lot of times what doesn't seem right in the moment is actually right. And so I think until, you know, you maybe have had like awesome parents or, you you know, your intuition has been calibrated or you have a good sense on life, then I think a lot of the times – um, we all choose the path of least resistance. We all choose doing the easiest thing because, you know, uh, going back to evolution, uh, organisms, it requires a lot of effort for them to grow and to get bigger. And yeah. so it's much easier to say the same. And so in my life, when I was going through social anxiety and just my everyday issues, every single day, mm. I was taking the path of least resistance. And it was only until I kind of realized I had social anxiety and I was like, wait, if I've been following this path for 10 mm. years and it clearly mm. hasn't taken me to where I want to go, maybe mm. I need to flip the script and do the opposite. And so mm. for me, that was talking to people. For me, that was beginning to tackle my fears of mm. social anxiety. Uh, and I talk a lot about it in the book and how to step-by-step step do that. Um, mm. But yeah, that's a very interesting question. Mm, yeah, because I, I have read somewhere one of your articles. You know, I did a lot of research about you. The story did not change. And uh, so that is when, you know, I mean, you started... Uh, actually, you know, going against that path of resistance and you, you took a lot, you did a lot of effort. So tell me, Mark, you know, I wanted to know, you know, the Maslow's, you know, I know a little bit of Maslow's uh, theory where he says, you know, for self-actualization, of course, everybody is in the kind of, you know, the bottom uh, line trying to earn money and then make the uh, uh, looking after for bread and butter and stuff like that. And you had this problem of social anxiety. Does it come in the midway where, you know, one becomes conscious of social, uh, you know, awareness happens in the brain or it could be in the being, uh, human beings. And then you actually kind of, uh, uh, you start becoming conscious of uh, the social need of connecting with people 
and that's when your kind of you know uh, your chakras or something opened up and then you started doing the podcasts and uh, connecting to people uh, because you know it's all just happening for a six months to one year period you went through the kind of uh, lot of uh, uh, turmoil and you came out of it and now you're doing exactly opposite what you were undergoing so were you in that mid way of the maslow's uh, 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 you know the pyramid so that you can actually go towards self uh, realization and self actualization and go above because you now you don't need money you're saying you know i mean uh, you're not I mean, success doesn't mean making money for you right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah so that's so that's interesting so yeah Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I th- I I guess I'm I'm in self actualization. I don't know. Maybe I'm in the esteem part. I'm not sure. I have no idea. Um, okay. But um, but the way that I think about it is this, and I kind of think about this in sort of the greater terms of society. Mm-hmm. And it's you know we you know throughout thousands of years, our entire society has been trying to meet people's needs of food, sleep, shelter. and it depends on where you look at the world yeah not everywhere has that but um but largely at least in developed countries uh that's not that's not really no longer a problem right mm. everyone can can meet their needs and so when you look at all the systems of society mm. whether it's schools colleges organizations corporations I also think that they have been the systems in which society has helped us establish the foundational of our meeting our psycho our, our physiological needs met of our mm. food sleep get, like you said getting enough money yeah. uh, spending spending it on this so you can survive and I think in turn we've we've achieved that we've become successful at that and so I think all the kids or just anyone being born in today Mm. we have this taken care for us on default mm. automatically we don't even think about it yes and so our our systems in society are still mm. teaching that they're mm. still teaching to meet these bottom layers they're not teaching you how to make yeah. relationships with people they're not teaching you how to deal with and process your emotions and so that that to me is just a a big goal that i have in my life of um helping society engineer better mm. systems that can help us achieve these because again not every country and, and not every corner of the world is like this there are still people who are starving to death and don't have a place to sleep but mm. we've largely made this and i think a lot of the reasons why people today are asking bigger questions mm. and maybe do have some mental health um uh, issues or or serious or not so serious is mm. because our societies were just simply not dealt to come up with these. And then, you know, if you look at different cultures like uh, you know, Buddhists and what not, some of them have talked a lot about that stuff. Mm. Um, but I think largely in just the way that society functions and executes, we're mm. not even focusing on any of these, just like the bottom two, safety, um, physiology. And then even then, I would even say that mm. we don't even do that. And I'll I'll give you an example. So there's a mm. subsection in my book it's called the mind body feedback loop okay mm. and this kind of has to do with um physiology and mm. i talk about the fact that so let's say you're hungry okay mm. 
you're physically hungry. Your, your stomach is telling you you're hungry. And mm. you go to McDonald's mm. and um, you buy some junk food. You buy some fast food. What happens is you eat that mm. and your body, your stomach is now saying, okay, you ate, you're full, you're physically full. Mm. However, your brain and the other processes in our body that test how we feel, mm. they say to us, hey, you're not full because everything that you just ate has no nutrients. The body can't even process it. It processes it and then it dumps it. And so that can give somebody the altercation of having issues with their mind and body feedback loop. And when that person physically feels full, but mm. mentally feels like they're hungry and they're malnourished, that can cause a lot of problems like anxiety and depression. And so it's even debatable to see if the bottom needs of food are even met because of the different ways that our modern world yeah. is coming in between. And so I even think that somebody could have mm. safety and even love and belonging and even esteem but mm. as maybe their health deteriorates, first their physical health because mm. they don't take care of it properly, and then their yeah. mental health deteriorates as a result of that, that can cause a lot of dysfunction. Even if they have self-esteem, love and belonging, relationships met, but mm. yet their physiology is messed up. And so it can go both ways, I think, especially with like this really interesting, weird, modern, nuanced way of just putting things in our body that have never existed before, that our brain and body has never seen. And so that's the way I think about it, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. It makes sense because I am much older to you. And I, I have experienced, you know, whenever I eat these homemade foods, especially the, the festival foods, which are done with a lot of care and preparation and take a long time, they're done with the hands and nothing is brought from the outside. You know, everything is cooked at home and you have that food. It is so satiating and you feel so... Mm. Uh, it's it's a fulfillment, you know, you feel really mm. as if, you know, you had a uh, something kind of a nourishment, you know, to the brain, mm. you immediately mm. feel. And then, as you said, very rightly, when you eat the fast food, it may be filling your belly, but then you always feel, uh, suddenly you feel, you know, uh, impoverished or a little hungry. Uh, you again go back and have something, you know, tidbits and you eat something. So that's very important, you know, to understand how the food is impacting your brain as well. Your your body is impacting your mind and then your mind will impact your body. You know, it's like a vicious circle. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree on that. And uh, so uh, going forward, you know, what is that that you want to focus on the future? Because I, I read somewhere that uh, you said the battleground is now the entire game is over identity. That is... Uh, <laughs> You versus you, and uh, it's all about the EGO, the big ego. So uh, I want to know about that, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I think that, um, so I think for me, you know, as we um, are in a time that we've never been before. Mm. I'll start the recording, I think. Yeah, it started, yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. So should, I, should I just keep going off um, what I was saying? Yeah, I was uh, asking you about the, uh, you were talking about the, you know, the battleground is uh, now about the yeah. entire 
game is about your over identity and uh, you versus you. Yeah, well, I mean, I think at an individual level, that's definitely true. And I think yeah. at the end of the day, because we're all individuals, that will reflect into our bigger communities. And really what I'm talking about is, you know, I think, you know, like I, I think it was like the beginning of this year, there was like this whole talk of like World War Three. And how, like, Iran is going to start bombing the U.S. I don't know if you got caught up in that. But in America, everyone was, like, freaking out. And they were saying, oh, my God, because of this whole thing with Iran, people are going to die and it's going to be World War III. None of that happened, just like everything in the media. But, um, but essentially, I think that World War III is happening in each individual's mind. And I think that the way that our future is going to play out is based on every single individual and I think we're now in an area where, you know, instead of uh, countries and nations invading each other and, and sending armies and militaries, we are now doing that same thing and influencing people's minds and thoughts through other forms uh, of media. And so I think because there's this insane technological power that has come, it can take people both the ability to do what I did which was use this stuff, learn it, self-actualization, try to help the world, or go into the other direction, which is, you know, you learn everything about all the terrible things about, you know, human civilization, and you hate people, and you become nihilistic, and you don't become optimistic, and you get caught up in these circles on social media of people just complaining and hating their lives, and just the same thing happening over and over again. And so I think that is sort of the next big war. And for me, um, the way that I'm trying to tackle that is just by doing the best I can of just trying to help people that were once like me. And so I think that the, you know, the, as the more voices online that are negative and are cynical and are disagreeing with everyone, I think that also gives people like you and I platforms like podcasts and shows to also talk about the other side of the positive, of the good things about humanity. And so that to me is really what I see the war that's going on, so to speak, the landscape. Yeah. And then the way that I'm going to do that, um, you know, mental health for sure, uh, younger people, entrepreneurs and their mental health. Uh, I'm trying my best to be very involved in education and the education system. Like I said, I'm a board member of a nonprofit called Parachute Bridge that is helping people come up with alternatives to college and other kinds of schooling. And so I think that's a major, major thing. And I'm also on an Amazon Prime documentary series called The Social Movement, where we have to reinvent the education system. And so I think that uh, that's sort of a role that I'll have. And as the years progress, I'm sure that I'll change. Yeah, that's awesome. And as you said, and uh, we also in India, we believe that each person uh, when they think, I mean, we think that we are individuals, but then we also are part of that big cosmos. So when one person sits and think, like Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you want to see. So when one person sits in one corner of the world and starts this, it starts creating a ripple effect. And that's what you're doing. And you, I am seeing you on Me LinkedIn too. and every day you're posting and then there are hundreds of people who are uh, following you on LinkedIn and various social media, as well as they'll read your book. So you are on so many podcasts and people are interviewing you, you interview people. 
So what is happening is this yeah. big whole chain you're creating. And that's what I think we, each one of us need to do. As you said, the war is inside our mind. I mean, if it is there, it is inside our mind. Otherwise, peace is inside our mind. You know, it's our choice. And so uh, to sum up, you know, I mean, uh, the, we are, if we have a strong compass, I think we won't buy into these uh, kinds of social media and uh, uh, these kinds of, uh, you know, uh, the excitement distractions, distractions right? So can you uh, just give some tips to the millennials about uh, about the book as well as, you know, what should they do so they don't get overwhelmed by this kind of distractions and you're also a millennial, but then coming from you, it will make a big impact to them. Definitely. Well, you know, believe it or yeah. not, I'm actually, technically I'm not a millennial. I'm like one or two years right below yeah. millennial. So I'm, I'm Gen uh, Z, yeah. but, 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 but I mean, I, yeah. but I, to, but I totally understand that. And I, I think yeah. honestly, the biggest thing is that, mm. um, the biggest thing is that like, if you are not mentally healthy and you're mm. not doing these self care habits, you're going to take out your anger and discomfort on other people in person and also online. So like mm. when I post on LinkedIn, you know, far majority of those comments are positive for sure. But some comments are also very negative. And I always think about that person who's leaving that negative comment. And it's like, imagine how bad of a negative spot that person has to be to like mm. sit alone on their phone and write like a paragraph of why you suck <laughs> and why mm. you're terrible. And so I think first and foremost, you need to make sure that just you yourself are good. Your, your mental health is, is good because if it's not, you're going to take that out on other people on social mm -hmm. media or not on social media. It might be easier to do it on social media because it's not face-to-face -face and you're just typing stuff on a keyboard. But, um, but yeah. And then I think probably number two is you need to have a, a cause. You need to have mm -hmm. a purpose. You need to have a why. Because a big part of uh, you know, what makes life meaningful is having a big purpose than yourself. And if you are not engaged in a meaningful activity, yeah. you are spending your time um, drugging yourself with pleasure, with these momentary hits of things that don't really mean a lot, that are not meaningful, that are not purposeful. And so I think if you don't have that in your own life, then I think yeah. you're gonna seek distraction, you're gonna seek a, a vice or whatever. Um, you, know, uh, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people will, will sort of dump and they'll crap on social media as being this mm. terrible thing. And like we talked about before, it definitely has its issues, right? Like everything else. But I also think it goes back to kind of what I told you earlier of me kind of having these two paths and seeing this other path filled with like distractions, food, escapes, drugs, alcohol. I think social mm. media is also one of those because you, yes. don't need to have a, you don't need to have a license. You don't need to leave your home. You just go on this thing and it's for free, basically, yeah. right? And so I think because of that, it's enabled us to abuse it so much. But I don't necessarily think the problem is social media in and of itself. I think it is this kind of World War III that I just mentioned of this individuality and them just sort of taking it out on the easiest thing possible that is right next to them proximity-wise. And so um, – and so, yeah, that's what I would say. I would say number one is take, make sure you take care of yourself mm, and then make mm. sure you have a bigger cause than yourself that is meaningful so you don't just are distracted by pleasure to pleasure to pleasure to pleasure. Wow, wonderful. 
So uh, any last tips for women as well? Because you know, it's, we are going to celebrate Women's Day. And I'm sure you had wonderful people in your life, your sister, your mother. So how have they contributed to in your life? And what would you have been without them? And how with them, what has your life kind of, you know, flowered into like you have bloomed into a beautiful person because of your mother and your sister. So can you just share how they have impacted your life? Yeah, so. So, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm lucky and I'm fortunate to say that, um, you know, early on when I was just a kid, um, my dad was working all the time. And so I would see him in the morning and then I'd see him the next morning. And so I felt like I didn't really spend that much time with my dad as a kid. And so who raised me was my mom and my sister. And I think that has made me a much more emotional and spiritual person and much more receptive to other people. And I think to a degree, I don't, I'm not going to blame them or anything, but I think to a degree, people who are highly emotional can mm -hmm. also be more receptive to problems like social anxiety, for example, yeah. because they're have, they have heightened awareness. They have heightened perception. Mm. And so I, that's one. So I'm infinitely grateful. Mm. Another one is, um, I remember my mom um, as a kid, I remember when, whenever we would have any problems or issues or anything like that, we would run into them. Mm. I remember a common saying that my mom would, would always say to me was, um, you know, it's okay that this happened. Let's mm. turn the new page. Let's turn a new page. And she was essentially just referring that, you know, life is a book. Life mm. is like this story. And you can always just flip the page if you don't like the story that's happening now. And wow. so looking back at that, I think that's given me the ability to value the future at an appropriate level more than the present. And I think that always enables me to be motivated um, to climb out of issues and, and whatnot. Um, when it comes to my sister, I mean, yeah, I think if you were to meet my sister, my sister is like the most generous, happy person you'll ever meet. Mm. And, um, and I remember my sister taught me, you know, um, my sister really taught me because I remember when my sister and I would, would go out, we'd be at a movie theater, we'd be at a restaurant. She would always be so kind and she would always be so sociable to the waiter, the waitress, the janitor, whoever. And it really began to open my mind to think like, hmm. you should be nice to other people not only because it makes you feel good, but also because um, you don't know what that other person is going through. And mm -hmm. especially if someone is just working a job, mm -hmm. people will just, you know, it's very easy to get caught up in just treating people like robots where, you know, you give them the food and, and thanks money and you say, hey, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. But I think when you pause and you kind of look at someone, then I think they can get a, a great feeling out of that. And I remember my sister would always, always do that. And I think looking back at that now, that really taught me to have a, a purpose outside of beating social anxiety so I could actually do this myself and I could actually help other people. And so I remember my sister would do that all throughout my life and as a teenager. And, um, and so I'm glad that she did that. And I think that's what kind of gave me that first glimpse to understand the importance of being social with people. So I'm very grateful. They're awesome. I love 
all kinds of people. I especially well, love, um, yeah, and I especially think that um, I'm really excited about the direction that I see, um, you know, females and also just minorities doing yeah. awesome things in the world. And it's, it's, I think it's really a great time to, uh, to be alive. Yeah. And a wonderful answer. I mean, I'm so happy, glad that, uh, I mean, you, you really got those great values from your mother and sister. And I, I have read your father saying that if you don't grow, you die. And that impacted, <laughs> that impacted a lot. And, uh, so maybe in the earlier contest where when he said and you literally took it to uh, your mind and you started earning at the age of 14 money started flowing in you've written in one of your you said yeah. in one of your podcasts and uh, so talk about that a bit uh, mark because a lot of people would like to hear you know how with uh, and now the same words that your father spoke if you don't grow you don't uh, you die is in a very different context now. You are trying to uh, look at the spiritual growth or the inward growth. And can you just talk about that? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my dad was definitely a, uh, a mm. mentor for me for sure. Mm. And yeah, that was, that was one of the things that, um, that was one of the things that I always heard from him. And mm. uh, I think that's definitely made me the person into who I am today, always growing, always developing myself. Um, even when I didn't necessarily know how to, and I was just trying to do that with money. I was just trying to do that with, uh, with business and whatnot. Um, so wait, I'm sorry. Wait, was there, um, was there like a more specific question? I, no, no. I said, uh, when you, when your dad said that in the, when yeah. you were young, you literally took to that and you started earning at a very young age because mm, you, I, I remember listening to your podcast and then you said, you know, uh, I really accepted what my dad said. I completely absorbed it and I started earning at a young age just to fill in that gap which I saw in my fa in my family's, you know, uh, mm. kind of uh, uh, to help them with the money issues right. that they were going through. So yes. right now you're not doing that, but you're again following the same words of your father, but in a different way. I believe. Mm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. I think when you, when uh, you grow up with something and you don't have it, yes. that yeah. becomes the problem. You know, you think, wow, mm -hmm. my life sucks because of this. When in reality, yeah. it's probably a lot of other things too. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I, I was making money at a, at a very young age as an entrepreneur. Um, and then probably by the time I was 15, 16, I became very mm -hmm. financially self self-made. And, um, and then, like you said, now I'm doing it in other ways. And, and for sure, I mean, you know, part of, um, you know, money is for sure is important, but it's, I think once you have money, it doesn't really become that important. And so, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So it, that was a wonderful uh, answer. And I really want to thank you and uh, end with the note that your, uh, just like the, your mother said, you know, there is always the option to flip the page and change that story. And uh, so I'm really looking forward that uh, all uh, the listeners, the viewers will buy your book. And uh, is it available? Uh, is it going to be available in Amazon? Yeah, uh, it will be available on Amazon March 14th. Okay. okay. So I'm going to share the link when I release this podcast. And uh, people definitely are going to go and buy the book. And they're going to flip the pages and uh, recreate their version 2. And uh, definitely uh, a lot 
of value is uh, going to actually, you know, uh, people are going to get the value as well as uh, learnings uh, and they're going to grow and uh, benefit from the book and as well as uh, listening to the podcast. Thank you very much. And it was great having you on my show. Story this to is story. Like, Thank you. Thank you. This is like one of the best shows I've been on. You did your Thank research. You. Good job. So I'm really, my day is done. I'm my night, in fact. You know, <laughs> it's almost 1.30. So thank you for being on my show. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, thank you I'm for still, staying up. I'm still energized because I eat home food. Yes. I don't That's drink. That's what it is. And I'm following all that you said. And uh, yeah. Uh, but I the first it. part, yeah. So we can have more conversations, uh, Mark, offline. So thank you so much and have a great day. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care. Bye.